Too Fast for Love um, was our first time um, we were in a full-blown, like, real recording studio. I guess my fondest and clearest memories of that time is that we were fucking green. For the most part, it was like us doing everything on our own, uh, searching for the right studio, you know, that we could afford, you know. You know, I think it cost us, what, three grand to make, and we did it in just a couple days. I mean, it was basically just a, a glorified demo tape. Nobody knew what they were doing, which is, I think is the beauty of that record, is why it sounds like the, the way it is. Everyone's just, we got in there, we're like, whoa, microphones, tape machines, you know, let's do this. When we were just like, okay, one, two, three, four, go. Like, nobody really thought much about anything. Nobody overthought anything. Everybody just played. Ladies and gentlemen, adults and children, welcome to another episode of the Middle Age Metalheads. Hi, I'm Michael Stamps, and I'm joined by my friends and middle-aged middlehead colleagues, John Harden, coming to you live from Austin, Texas. Also, we got the Metal Lord, Colin Bosler, checking in from, where are you at, Whitehall, Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. All right. And we also got Dr. David Timoney coming in from Philly. Like I said, I'm Michael Stamps, and here we are. We're gonna do a little listening party for you here on Wednesday, and if you if you need to know, this is March third, two thousand twenty-one, and we're commemorating a, an anniversary of sorts for Motley Crue's debut album, "Too Fast for Love," um, and as a band, forty and, years, forty years as a band, for, for yeah. you know, and, and forty years, guys. they are our young. age almost, kind of ish, but sixty. Like yeah not quite yeah, that old no. not that not quite that old but you, they're getting there nevertheless this this is certainly a record for i guess if it's been around uh shit 40 years then um we probably have listened to it a few times except for david timoney but we'll, no, we'll, we'll, I, i've never learned to listen to this all the way through yeah that's that that is something that could totally happen you could totally avoid this but uh, nevertheless, we're, we're gonna we're gonna play through the record. So if you haven't checked out our play uh, our, our listening parties before, you know we'll 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 cue you in to like when you want to play it. And we also in in post you can just listen to it. Isn't that sixty two years old? Sixty two. Okay, so they're about ten years older than me. I don't know about Colin, but. You never know. Mars, uh, depending on who you ask, sixty-five to sixty-nine. I would, I would want to like, I want to do some carbon fourteen on him before I knew what fucking age he was. Vince Neil is sixty. Okay, oh, all right. right. So they're years older. Tommy Lee is a is a strapping fifty-eight. Okay, and, and and clearly in some cases we can say that maybe they haven't aged that well. But this uh, maybe maybe that's the question for this record. How, how well is this record aged as a, as a one as a debut album, nineteen eighty one, a little sort of raw and unpro underproduced um, as a sort of fledgling band out of the the L A sunset uh, strip scene, and I guess we'll, we'll just we'll just start with like people's kind of like. Uh, you know, their first experiences, their first uh, impressions of this record, or just their just outright derision of it. So <laughs> let's let's start with Colin, so we can just start on a high note. Absolutely, you should. These, these because, because 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 oh. Crew is like 
Colin's favoritist band. That's right. These are my boys. I'm excited about this. All, although I will be honest, this was not my introduction to Motley Crue. Uh, Motley right. Crue, uh, that was 83 with Shout at the Devil. And I was not available when you guys did that review of that album. So I was sad I missed that day. But now I'm here to celebrate Motley Crue. So I listened to Shout at the Devil. And then I went back and found Too Fast for Love. I, I don't think it honestly gets enough respect. I, I think people know of it. I don't think it's an album that people say, oh, let's listen to Motley Crue and then pull out Too Fast for Love. But I think, and Michael, you really said it, and that's the, the point I wanted to hit on. I love the production because it sounds so raw. It is not polished yeah. whatsoever. It's so and, garagey. Yes, and when I first heard it, that's what hooked me. Because Shadow yeah. the Devil, very polished. I mean, this is, you know, that's five stars. Tom Werner is like almost too polished. At, at points yes and so when i heard too fast for love i was like oh my god this is four guys in a in a room where i can almost envision the carpet padding on the walls and you know the four track machine and the guy going go and everybody just yeah. starts playing music well it should be noted here that motley released this album on their own before they yeah. were signed yeah. so this came right. out only 900 copies to start and, and that's, later on that's... electra once they signed they remastered it yeah and uh and put it out but I, uh, yeah know. i I, I can pull my album off here. Like again, I think if anybody who's read the dirt knows that uh, it was produced by basically like a, like a nightclub and like the owners of the nightclub were like, we like you guys. We're going to put out your record and we're going to call it asylum records. And we're going to put you in the studio for two days. They have an interesting <laughs> accent. I, I never like met. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's basically like my fucking Gazar, my, my Ben Gazari voice. <laughs> <laughs> playing a lot of grand theft auto over there by, that's by the right way, the the leather records version is my holy grail i i mm. i have to get a copy but i've never ever seen one for sale i yeah. i know that you find them they're very expensive yeah yeah, yeah. and and, and they're, they're good collector items but maybe you know you could what we're looking at here for too fast for love has since been like remastered and they got the deluxe version of it with uh the the the, the original singles like uh you know toast of the town and mm, scrolling down here like tonight so they got they got they got everything in there david's thick toast of the town like toast no town. that's a horrible title for a song. a song i think i would hold out if i was going to spend the money and get the leather bound version of no remorse there he goes Maybe. but but so so colin like continuing on with your reminiscence here uh so like how old were you when you're when you first got like a little bit of too fast for love in you well let's see 83 was when i got the uh shout at the devil so it would have been 83 so i was about to graduate high school i was a senior in high school at the time senior in high school okay yeah. Yeah. cool 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 all right uh, uh we're saving the best for last so let's go with john harden <laughs> cool thanks <laughs> that, 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 by, by that i was like skipping david sort welcome of welcome like, to mediocrity john Harden. yeah cool <laughs> yeah enjoy your, this your long slow climb to the middle uh <laughs> i don't have much connection to this record to be honest i uh like colin i had heard shout at the devil first and i prefer shout at the devil much much more to this record um i think this record and we'll get to it when we're listening to it but i think this record falls into the same trap that most motley crew records fall into where there's a couple good songs and there's just a bunch of shit like in between like this is this is a band whose image is like gutter 
rats like you know they're just they've just been swept off the sunset strip and it's leather and chains and pentagrams and this and that and then you get to come on and dance and it's like okay like this this sounds like garbage this is it's like it's like no no wonder they got to smoking in the boys room like i i don't know it's it's stuff like that that i just don't think is that good and probably just because they were young this is what they had to start with and uh and like i said they put it out on their own um it's interesting to note that it has gone platinum like ever you know since over the years it's it's finally gone platinum mm-hmm. um i don't know it's all right there's some good songs on it but uh i never put it on ever yeah yeah okay all right yeah so uh, but so you you probably encountered this like maybe a little bit after you got in i would say i probably didn't hear this until maybe after theater <laughs> of pain or whoa even, okay or even girls 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 like, so like maybe like like 86 87 yeah, somewhere in there. I, okay. I did not really dig back into and and i think you were the same like we liked motley crew but we we never listened to them that much like it, no, no. it wasn't no no my, my, my story is a, l- a little bit different um as far as this particular record goes and and again it was maybe because like most people just did not want to hear it um uh, and I, I had a dub of it for like in eighth grade. It's like, and, but but I want to I want to hear I want to hear David's uh, take on this too, and then we'll we'll, we'll come back to this little uh, you know pin in the road. David, um, your Motley Crue journey begins. I well, I mean, I tonight. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this uh, Ronnie James Dio? You guys keep referring to. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm with Colin. I jumped in at Shout at the Devil. Right. We've had that conversation before. And then yeah. my band in high school played Livewire. So, and I think I got turned on to that tune from the video, like during Headbangers Ball or something. And it's a good, you know, raw uh, tune. Don't, you're, you're, you're getting the dates all wrong. Like Headbangers Ball comes like late 80s. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, so, so that's so that's when you're like tuning into it. So you're you're into Shout Out the Devil in '83, but like, yeah. But I didn't get Livewire until we played we or until yeah. this record until we played Livewire in the band I was in. Um, when this record comes out, I was looking at like like what was I doing in 1981, and I jotted down a couple of notes. I'm going to tell <laughs> you the record that I listened to more than any in 1981 was Urban Chipmunk. Yes. Do you remember uh, when everybody was into country? Right? Like Eddie Rabbit, the yeah. Boys had Elvira. Urban Cowboy had come out. So yeah, Blame Travolta Cowboy. again. Yeah. Um, Kenny <laughs> like Rogers was real big. Private Johnny Ice. Paycheck, uh, you know. Guys, you know, Hall and Oates came out. Um, Dirk Commissar. Uh, my neighbor across the street had uh, the 45 of Freeze Frame with Rage in the Cage on the back. Um, I had the 45 for uh, Give Me the Night, I Love Rock and Roll, and the Stray Cat Strut had just come out. Like, it was a real, like, kitschy novelty time in music. And I wasn't, I didn't go as far as Weird Al. Like, I wasn't that guy, but I definitely had Urban Chipmunk and listened to it. I was. Um, David, you're saying you did, you did, you did, Super Freak? Yes, I remember that. Super Freak. Yeah. Right. She's not I the kind of girl you bring home to mother. Yeah, maybe not you. That's just I'm just that's that's what Rick James would say. Mm, okay. But he would probably still burn her with a crack pipe. But that's just Rick James. Cocaine's oh. a hell of a drug. 
but uh, but no, I mean, I was not listening to this in 1981, um, and I wasn't listening to it in 1983. And I tell you, or 84, I may have heard, or I may have heard all the songs on this record, but I have never heard them all the way through. Um, and looking at this man, I'm like, these are some of the worst song titles I have ever heard in my life. I'm surprised they don't have a song called like "We Rock." or we want what you got or like these like they're just trite <laughs> overused crappy titles of songs they were can young just kids imagine man him, i can just imagine him on stage be like this next song's called merry go round <laughs> come on and dance the thing is there's a there's an alice cooper song called i gotta dance and when I see that title, all I can think is of that Alice Cooper song. Yeah, it's not make a good it better. Alice Cooper song. Yeah, it doesn't make it better at all. Okay, so like, oh, but before we go with this, we'll, we'll we'll kind of tie this in. Like, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, Colin, your your defense there of but they were young. Most bands that we talk about, their first and second albums generally show off what they have to offer, like because they've worked up to their debut record. Yeah. Generally, most debut records have really good songwriting. And I think that as far as the Motley catalog goes, this isn't one of the stronger releases. Well, no, it's not one of the stronger releases, but I think we all know the history of Motley Crue enough to know that they got Vince Neil because they felt that the women would be into him, right? They yeah. needed that. But they, I mean, Van Halen was across the road and, you know, look at their debut. It's the strength, you know, the, those you, were songs they fine tuned in high school too. It's like, yeah, I, I just, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think when you're looking to, to, and you pointed out, Michael, that somebody said to them, look, uh, and I can't do the accent or I won't attempt the accent, but we'll, 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 we'll produce <laughs> you guys. Record it. We'll produce you guys. And so I think at that, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, I'm not just being a fanboy. I'm just saying that when I think somebody says quick, I want to put an album together. You end up with songs like Merry Go Round or Come On a Dance. Mm-hmm. I like I like some of the the well. We'll get into it a little bit later. But I, I like Merry Go Round. I don't hate them. Right. I I think that no, there's some Colin, there's some aspects. I, I agree with John. I think what you have to say about them being young and this is the record they put out is is very fair. It's it's more fair than the criticism that they're getting for it. When I, uh, you know, when I was in a band. Whenever we would do covers, I would try to stay very true to the original, right? Like you get these cover bands, they try to like color it and do it their own way. Like we were never into that. We would try to do it as true to the original as possible because we think the original songs sound good. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I, I played guitar and sang in the band that covered this song. And I remember you had to sing this song like you were 15 years old, like that high, clean voice, man, (laughs) like trying to sound tough, but he's like just not old enough to sound tough. And um, I look for, you know, I look for any other nine songs on this record. <laughs> so I, I, again, I think um, we, so our, our memories uh, play tricks on us sometimes. And sometimes we, um, you know, we, we fail to like contextualize anybody who's read dirt knows like how this record was just like scrapped together. Motley was like, super big on the strip there was just just a sort of like up and coming scrappy motherfucking band and the the opportunist people at asylum said like what we want to do is we want to commodify you and we want to commodify you as quickly as possible so just like slap together some shit and put it together 
and they did. And the shit sold out on the streets of LA. It showed up in record stores and then it was gone. So and then, then Electra starts like sniffing around the door and they're like, okay, this is, this is a product. They're like, this is like two years before, uh, you know, uh, metal health. So if you want to put that in that context too, that the album that launched a uh, quiet riot became like their, uh, you know, their, their platinum selling record, the first metal record to go to number one. So it's like it, it, the quality does not matter. It just, it matters like what fucking sells. Um, but, but Motley was like part of, part of this, this, this scene and uh, their, their style, their look, their stage show, their swagger, all of that stuff. You know, it, 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 what they sounded like on record really didn't matter to most people. And so, it, so it's for me, it, it, and I think it, it, you know, in the consensus of us, it's like it, it's like most people would just say like, this is a sort of like subpar record. It's like it's really JV. Nobody's gonna like put this up and just say like, this is one of the greatest records of all time. Um, nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> When, once I got once once I got tired of like listening to like and this is how I would listen to the shout of the devil start side one listen to the shout of the devil intro listen to shout of the devil listen to looks at kill fast forward all the way to the end get to side two and get to what was the other sort of video that they did there with the the business uh, too young to fall in love yeah, 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 and like that's it that's what i would listen to like red hot and bastard and you know their their version of helter skelter and that whole business with the children of the damned or whatnot that was and it's like okay i get it and but that was like whoosh if you were in seventh grade and you didn't have a copy of shout the devil it's like you just you, it's like not even owning a penis you're just like you're not even like allowed to like hang out with dudes anymore you should just go sit with the girls and have a popsicle. But uh, okay. once I got done with Shout the Devil, it's like, hey, I, again, I think it's my friend Pat Denise from like eighth grade at at, uh, at Spring Grove. It's like, can I burn or can I like dub a copy of your cassette? So I dubbed his copy and I would like listen to it constantly because I had like, I don't know, I could count on like two hands and I have big hands, but I have like only 10 fingers, but uh, Def Leppard, Rat, Twisted Sister, and we've got some other stuff, but it's like, oh my gosh. Then it's like, there's some docking, tooth and nail. I got some, a lot of shit coming in through like Columbia house, but it's never, it's never going to show up. I would listen to the hell out of too fast for love over and over taped side over side over side. And just kind of like, it hypnotized me. I have to say, I have to you say, do. it's just, I listened. I, and again, like when people, like when we talk about this and people say like, dude, you're like a really big fan of like King Cobra and rough cut. I'm like that's, that's just sort of like, it's like a sort of occupational hazard of like listening to the same few records over and over and you come to love them. And I also love Barbara Mandrell and Johnny Paycheck as a result of the same thing that my parents inflicted on me. And it's like, and that's, that's the curse of eight tracks too, because they just kind of keep playing and playing. You don't have to take them out. 
but uh, we're, we're going to play this record. And I have to say, it's like, I love every fucking song on them. And there is no really very good song on this album. <laughs> these, wow. these songs, these songs are all really kind of. Have subpar. you heard uh, the first Peter Chris solo record? Um, <laughs> I can't yes. stop rain. That's a but, ringing endorsement. Here it goes again. But the thing is, like, I I, I love all these songs, and I and I listen to this record all the time. And and, and despite what Colin was said, and, and and we'll have to like we'll we'll have to do a sort of uh, recalibrate our anecdotes. Ask people like metalheads, like you like Motley Crue's, like what's your favorite Motley Crue record? And people say like, "Too Fast for Love." They will. I've never heard that. I don't, I've never okay. heard anybody even bring this record up. Oh no, no, it's it's true. The conversations I've had, people say like, I like after I love Too Fast for Love. That's the best one. Shout the devil. That's the that that's the best. And then after that, it's crap. Just say I've, I've never heard anybody say this record first or their favorite record. Yeah, I, no, I tell you, I it, hear people say they David, like. But but, but David it, it, and I and I'm gonna like just put that in, in the same sort of like category. People say like. I like Bruce Dickinson, but like the best Maiden records are with Paul Diano. It's like I never hear people say that either. I'm, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe we're, we're we're not hanging out at the same Applebee's. I don't know. <laughs> That's probably good. Maybe That's we should listen probably. to this thing. You want let's let, let, yeah. let's let's shoot this cocksucker. Let's go. Wow. You guys want to do this? Jeez and crack. That's a man. that's a line from Ed Wood. What? I've never seen it. <laughs> you should. I don't think so. Look at Bella Gosey. Bella Lugosi, like he's he's all fucking like he's junked up on heroin and he just gets up and he's like, let's shoot this Martin cocksucker. All right. He won he won the Academy Award for that. Best supporting what actor. What are we doing here? We're just making random pop culture references. That's no, no, what no, we're no. Doing. I meant like are we counting or Michael always counts us up to three. Okay. One, two, three, cocksuckers. Listen to that intro right there. Come on, you put that, you dropped the needle. I had this on vinyl. You dropped this on the record player, forget it. You're hooked. It's, it's a great song. Sadly, it's downhill from here. It's, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it's a really good song. It's a better song than most songs there. He's trying so hard to sound like old and tough. Well, yeah. <laughs> Colin, are you going to be singing to this? this record outside of Livewire? I, I will not sing to it. I will try, but I will not. And listen to Tommy Lee's drumming. Right off the bat, you know this guy's talented. He got a little double bass action. Cowbell. And, and Cowbell. This album is loaded with Cowbell. This, 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 I'll tell you what. This is, the drum, this is the drum feature song. I mean, he does all the little Tommy Lee tricks in this song. Yeah track number one here's tommy lee yeah. yeah the pounding toms lots of fucking extra sort of like you know syncopation <laughs> with, with 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 the goddamn cowbells but again like uh, and this this will be a theme and this maybe this will establish like th- things to look forward to is like what fucking guitar tone is that that fucking mick mars brings it's like this is like just like some dirty rock sort <laughs> of like as, it's not as aggressive as, rock. as his uh, as his shout of the devil sound. No, no, it, 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 but 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 again, like this 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 is quintessential like Mick Mars. It's like it sounds like the, like a cross between like a 
like a rusty motorcycle trying to start up and like ZZ Top like just waking up. It's just there's there's something just kind of like the, the guitar is scuzzy. It's like it's just there, there's there, there's nothing like sweet or uh, here comes that cowbell virtuistic i i think i'm like i'm a few beats behind you guys i'm in like the breakdown with the little disco ball yeah, we, are too. we are too i was one i was one measure early on the cowbell there it is sorry but uh th this of course is like the song that's like featured in the the dirt movie and it's like oh this is the one that launched them but it's like any other songs from this album survive in the live show mm. no. I don't believe so. Um, just looking at the list here, um, there the, on, on the on the on the deluxe he version there. Love, uh, on the deluxe version, there is like a live version of "Too Fast for Love," but it's one of those versions. And there, there's like a version of "Merry Go Round and Round" too, where it's like, Vince, you don't really know the lyrics to this song, do you? Yeah, that is <laughs> or, or English. Thing. You know, production aside, it is nice to hear Vince Neil enunciate. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he's really sharp, and he's uh, there's some moments here, but like for, for like a young sort of like raw band, it's like for me, this this track like establishes right it there. all. It's like another another guitar. Listen to it's, that. It's the Sludgy. guitar. Sludgy. It's the guitar and the drums, and then yeah, there's Sounds Vince like Neil. recorded in a different studio. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They went completely okay. different. Yeah. All right. So yeah. here, here we here we move on to like track two, which is "Come On and Dance." See, this is even though it's called "Come On and Dance," this is a good song. It's a. What what, what do you like about it, Colin? Tell us. It's, it's got a, a just. I love the rhythm. It's it's just and the cowbell. These guys are having. You could you can see this on stage. They've got a nice groove going. There's a there's a heaviness, a bottom to this, and the way it's recorded and, and produced, it's really heavy and thick. I don't know. I was really impressed when I listened. It's so different than Shadow of the Devil. Such a when no, I heard it is. Like, Shadow of the Devil. These guys. I was like, these guys are hardly the same guys. And and I think I think that's the thing. Only like, a year later. Like the most people have noticed, like there's there's a sense of like the MTV image doesn't like if you, if you go back from like looks at kill to this it's like no that's not molly crew yeah, and, right. and and, and, and there's there's a sense too that the, the songwriting has changed too as well because it's, it's more it's more produced it's a little more sort of like trying to push the hard edge of their metal image where this song is like Horrible and a lot solo. of the songs here they're just kind of like they're like rock songs. This is kind of like Lover Boy with a lot more cocaine in its system. It's a good comparison. Um, and, and, and that the, was an awful solo. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of sort of just like clumsy filler too here with like the with the whatever the cowbell noise is in the background. I don't mind. I, I'm sort of with Colin. I like the cowbell. Yeah, I, you know what? Yeah. Though, this really sounds like the types of things that work live that just don't translate to the record. You know those breaks, and that might be the case. You know, when, yeah, those when breaks at the like, every weekend. You know, Vince can songs. go down on, down to the front, like hang with people and yeah. swing some yeah. ears around and slap a few hands. Um, so I, so it, it's almost like saying like what what this record needs is just like that sort of like filter of like let's just put in like crowd noise in there, you know. And that, and again, like the same thing happened with Kiss too. Like their their first three records were complete flops. 
and then they come out with the live record with these same songs and it's like oh wow these guys really rock it's the chorus that kills this song oh i love i love the backing oh well, listen to this i, I, I we're, we're not synced in the same level here but like Vince Neil's like attempts here to like do some scatting and do some sort of like high pitch stuff. Oh my gosh. It just, it, it makes you just kind of like shit a little bit in your pants. It's like, oh my gosh. Is he done singing yet? But uh, the, the thing that I would point out too, here, here's like a really sweet melody on this opening lead here. And it's like, do you ever hear Mick Mars ever do this sort of shit again? No. What no. band is he in? <laughs> is, he, is, is he in, like, Night Ranger? But, you know, David brought up, I'm I'm now revisiting this through David's filter that he just mentioned, because I know you're the musician of the group, David. You mentioned it, and it's really important to think about. They were used to being on stage before they were used to recording. So I think that's really important what you brought up. When they were given the opportunity to record, it's almost like they tried to put a live show on a record. And that's what they, like this right here in front of a crowd would make everybody happy. I can imagine them going crazy, right? Clapping hands, cowbell. But on a record, it doesn't necessarily translate. But for them on the strip, it worked. It was like a nice live gig. It's, uh, you know, just because I need to be able to drink this. When Kiss does Shout It Out Loud, it only makes sense live. Right. right. Even the oh, fact yeah. that they slipped it in as a B-side on the live record makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, never, I never thought of that before, but that's a very good point. And, and, and again, for anybody who's listening to this and who hasn't been drinking, then you know that this is actually called uh, publicly, Public Enemy Number 1. I had scrolled down a little bit. <laughs> But again, it, 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 there's like, if you listen to like the, if you have to, if you listen to the lyrics and you listen to like how Vince Neil delivers them, it's like, there's like something like sweet and kind of endearing about this. There's, there's something kind of like, there's, there's, this is like a pop song, basically. This could be, it, it, imagine like fucking Pat Benatar doing this song. It's a fucking, it, it, it's a top 20 hit. I Pat think, Benatar think, does this song. Fuck you. It's a, it's a top 20 hit. Nah, what this song needs is this song needs the punk rock gang vocals in the in the chorus yeah. in the bridge because I, like with like Colin was mentioning this is a song that makes a lot of sense live and when their fans are there singing along it sounds heavy oh yeah no and 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 the and, studio it sounds like a pop song yeah it, 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 it's 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 the difference between like when you or any of us like go to like the rock show and we like we sing with everybody else. And then you're like, what does it, what does it sound like when I sing in my car by myself or in the shower? Oh no, this this song has like a lot of pop appeal to it. And you've got this kind of shreddy solo, but it's all just like they're probably smiling and bobbing their heads. You ever see Mick Mars smile? No. You see Mick Mars smile? It's like that's that's not a thing. Every ounce of energy he has is put into standing up straight. Yeah, no. That, we're not making fun of his disability. We're just making fun of the fact that he's like kind of sullen most of the time, and he has like stereo cowbells. Back to the cowbell. Every song. I think Tommy Tommy Lee just Tommy like Tommy Lee just thumbing his nose at Blue Esther Cole. Fuck you guys. <laughs> but here it comes. I, I, 
that's proof that I'm like at least three seconds behind you guys because I'm getting fucking cowbell. The thing is, best. It, 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 for me, when I hear that cowbell, I think the hair of the dog. Like, yeah. Right? Now you're messing. Now you're yeah. messing with the son of a bitch. Did you ever hear the subdued vocals on that song? That blew me away the first time I paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that another time when we do hair of the dog. But, but l- 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 listen to uh, 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 as we get to like the outro of this song, like listen to like some of the production. There's like there's hand claps, there's hand claps going on, and there's like a lot of emphasis in all these songs on like what what is the what what's the role of the backing vocals? The backing vocals are like kind of like the the sort of like the the, the, the opinions of these songs that like really kind of bring them together. And, and kind of fill in like a lot of the empty spaces and make them again, like uh, for me, like much more engaging songs if it were just like Vince Neil singing. And here we go with a uh, merry go round, which if you want to, there is like a great sort of site that you could go to, or you could just Google um, Vince Neil subtitles necessary. <laughs> Whenever he sings any of these songs, it's like, he doesn't know where he is, <laughs> and it's hilarious. And it's hard to tell whether the rest of the band knows either. They're just, I think they're in the midst of like cashing checks. They look good in white pants. They put them in front of the audience. That's what works. Yeah. I do like the song. Yeah. yeah. Again, it has a good sort of like sweet build. And these songs are like, a lot of these songs are like just young punk ambition songs, or they're just like straight up kind of like conflicted, Kind of want to be love songs. This is like, yeah, this is the slow dance of that Molly Crew set. Grab your ladies and a beer. Yeah. The lights and the smoke are blue behind the band. Everybody's just kind of chilling out. And Vince is getting all, you know, kind of sedate. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and and again, Colin, right? Like back in 81, we're not like, is this metal? It's like, I don't know. what What is metal? Is right. Fog hat is metal, you know. It's like, you know, fucking lover boy is metal. Right, like they all got into the parking lot, and like half of them drove to like the NASCAR strip. Yeah, and, like, I, I don't know if that's true, but I, you know, when this comes out, there are contemporaries putting out actual metal. Killers came out the same time as this. Yeah, but 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 there but there is still like that like that really sort of amorphous like gray area where people aren't like choosing up sides. They're just kind of like. I like this, and I can like this too. I can like Pat, Pat Benatar, and I can also like Wendy Williams. I can like, you know, Iron Maiden, and I can also listen to Loverboy. It's, it, 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 yeah, Elvira, especially. Dude, that uh, low voice guy, freaking voice guy. He's I want to look at something that's like really funny here, but I have to like make sure that it's actually funny. Hmm. So when did this album come out? When did it drop? 81. November of 81. November of 81. So have you guys ever seen like the, the cover of Loverboy's Get Lucky? Sure I have. We talked about it last week. Yeah. Yes. So it seems like the Motley Crue is like the reverse of that in a way. Yeah, the, the Motley Crue is an homage to Sticky Fingers. Well, it's, 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 it's just an updated version of Sticky Fingers. It, it, so it so it had is just some chick with her hand behind her back. But but, uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry, Mike Reno. 
but 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 if, but if but but if I'm a young kid like going through like the record store, it's like I'm not looking for Sticky Fingers in 1981. Like when did Sticky Fingers come out? Like 1971? I don't know. It's better than this. This I, this track, no. by the way, coming up. This is my sleeper track. This track is really good. This year. Oh, take me. So so now we move on to uh, take me to the yeah. top. This this song is it, it kind of after the last song. This one kind of hits you a little bit. I really like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, walk us through it there, Colin. I, I just think that it, it's like, uh, it's one of those, cause there's a few albums that I've had. Dokken did it a lot of times. The last track on side one, they kind of hit you with a little extra energy to kind of, I think they want to get you yeah. ready for side two. And I, yeah. think this song, and I think this song is really strong. It's a good finish for a side one, especially after that little bit of a, a lighter track. So yeah. nice guitar work. I, I just I like this one a lot. It's it's, is, it, 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 it's 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 definitely like a really bouncy beat to it. You could just, you could see people like doing a little pogo dance to this, or doing like some fake sort of like punk rock stuff before because they don't know what moshing is at this point. They're just like oh, and listen to like some of those guitar licks that are coming on. And there's a little effect going on there. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And, and, then, and it's then, got a little bit of a, of a not a violent edge, but a little bit of an edge of danger. A little, yeah, little like, menace, a little yeah. like we're we're not we're not lover boy, we're Molly Crew. Exactly. We we will fuck you up in the parking lot. Whereas Mike Reno and the guys are like, hey, uh, you guys want to go golfing? We're Canadian. We don't fight. <laughs> yeah, I think I, my first lover boy record. You was like Molson? The one that came was the one that came with a a, a piece of bubble gum in the shape of a record. Oh <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Uh, was that supposed to be ironic or just kind of like it had the lyrics of turn me loose on the back i love turn me loose that's a great track working for the weekend well the gum was good yeah better than you can see like for tops baseball colin what else you what, what else are you channeling from this song there Papa Colin? i just think Shoe this pops. is the, to me this is the first time they start to lean towards that shout at the devil if you listen yeah. to this and, and shout at the devil, there's a lot of like a shout at the devil kind of vibe to again, you know, back alley fights, you know, that kind of stuff. It is a little bit more aggression in this album, this song. Mm. And to yeah. me, this is kind of a lead in to what Shout of the Devil is going to sound like. The, lead, the, yeah. the, the, the singing, I think, is very, very much like tipping their hand towards Shout of the Devil. The guitar playing is very kind of out of character for them. It's like kind of like chunking. How about, but, 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 the, but the chorus here too, is like, it's it's it, it's so pop oriented. It's kind of like, can you throw up your hands and just start to like have fun? It's it's not like an aggressive sort of anthemic sort of like burp, 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 balls to the wall or screaming for vengeance or something. It's just kind of like, it, you can still feel like there's, there's still a little bit of the band and a little bit of their audience that that want to go to clubs and dance and do like some top 40 stuff but it's, but but Colin is right it's like I think it's it's darkening a little bit and it, the edge comes out in McMars and, and and Vince Neil's vocals again it's like never never a highlight of anything the band has ever done it's like Vince Neil does not make Motley Crue it's like you could have had any singer and he would have probably done like a Yakko's Hot Dog King sort of like job and it would have been fine. But if you, 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 this, you, you, um, you, I'm gonna say this. There's parts of this song that sound like a reworked version of Red Hot or a mm-hmm. reworked version of some yeah. other songs off of uh, Shout at the Devil. Yeah. 
They're, they're, they're like um, sort of like mm, like first drafts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, this this is what we want to do. And I think yeah, like this Colin hit on it too. Part, it's like this little lyric put them into something better. Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 Colin is right too. Like the position on the album too. It's like it kind of like sets up like, man, that was hot. Like what's next? Right. You better get off your ass and put down the pizza and flip it over because we're coming to like piece of your action. And this is a rocker too. Musically, this is a very interesting song. It does not really follow, in my opinion, the, the typical melodic formula that a lot yeah. of these bands use. This has got just an interesting way of putting together the music. So, so that, that's cool. And then, like, David, you said, like, this is a weird song. This is like the stratification of styles in a band's first record, you know, is pretty wild because they haven't quite figured out where they're headed, you know what I mean? And if you're playing in a, in a club, you know, you might be doing a cover of, like, a whole host of songs just to kind of get people moving, and maybe they become part of your set, maybe they don't, maybe you kind of work them to fit your style a little better. But I could totally see where, like, this song, depending on where they are playing, goes, would go on and off their set list. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a good song when we play this place, but not this other place. It, so it, 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 it seems like it goes. It goes. Trying to be sexy. Yes, I think that's that's right? the thing, and 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 they're they're doing. It sounds like if you give like I don't know how to describe, but it's like they're doing like, mm, you know, like instead of like you know, doing like the straightforward like power chords, they're like they're doing reverse and like pulling it back, and it's like instead of like singing with the chords. You, you know, or with the power riffs, you sing in, a, in, the, in the quiet of it. And it's like, it's it's just a, it's a really kind of creative, weird song. But, you know, this is this is us sort of overanalyzing it, but like... Yeah, but you can imagine, you, I mean, we were, I was nine when this record came out. You could totally see, like, you know, Mick goes into this little solo and Vince drags the lady up on stage with him, you know, and it's a great oh, yeah. show. Oh no, it's a great show, and it, and and it, and it's undoubtedly a rocker. And 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 mixed guitar, I think. Again, we when we talked about like our our favorite or sort of like unsung metal hero gods, and again, more. That's not cowbell. That's something else that he's hitting there. Um, drummers would know what, what what sort of like thing he's hitting there, but uh, you know, there's there's just like a propulsion to this song, and it just kind of like just drives it it's like who cares what they're singing about like just just keep it coming keep it coming and and again like i, I just I, again like to go back like mick mars and, and what he does with like what seems like very sort of like modest talents it's like it's, it is like the bedrock on which this like dirty filthy stupid uh, sexist, uh, mostly sort of like wife-beating band, just like does really well. It's just he's again like without him or without Tommy Lee, this this band would just be like I don't know, one and done. It could be this like I, I, go ahead, Carl. This is also the longest song on the album. Mm-hmm. It's epic at four thirty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's still rhyming the Ancient Mariner, but. No, it's it not. Is. No, it's not. But I always thought that it was interesting on side two. I was always a five-song five, five song per side guy, right? I want an album. I got 10 songs. 
like Michael pointed out, I got 10 fingers, I got 10 songs. When I don't get 10, then I was always like, which one did they make longer? This one they made longer. And I was always, yeah. it was an interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, Starry Eyes, which follows it, I'm, I'm seeing that. That it is also about four yeah. and a half minutes, yeah, too. It's a little long, and, too. And, and not going to, like, lie to you. Like, if I had to pick, like, one song off this record, Starry Eyes. Why? I don't know. We'll find out. But I've listened to this album probably a good like maybe I would say like six times a year. I, I put it in. I have I have the CD and it's just kind of like it, it. It takes me back to eighth grade. It gives me all sorts of good feels. It takes me back to like just sitting in my room doing algebra and stuff. And like I know all the hits. I know all the beats. I know all, like all the sort of like really bad howls that, that Nick does. Yeah, I, I have a cowbell. This is the one track I did not care for on the album. It's okay. I thought it leaned a little too much towards pop rock. Oh fuck yeah! Oh yeah, but it's 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 a look, but it's it, it's, it's it's all it, right. It, it just it, has a little less. It has a little less rock and a but, little but, but, more. Towards it, it, pop. But, so Colin, but is it that thing like where if you're coming from like oh man, fucking shout at the devil, and then you go to like starry eyes, like that's a pussy song. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This one didn't really st- sit with me much. So so if this this song came out and it was like journey or lover boy be like oh i kind of like that song that this song would like be top 40 easy this would fit on any lover boy album ever made fucking like ario speedwagon wishes they wrote this fucking song actually these guys are like have you heard far enough (laughs) yeah is that produced by mutt lang because this was produced by like Ben Gazzari, some like fucking degenerate Boboda. It's like, you guys like to play music? I will pay you to play music and I will distribute it to you. And that's it. And then I get all the money. I'm gonna cancel that voice. You should teach like that. Yeah, when I do my Zoom classes, this is how I talk. The Zoom's like. like the, you sound like the Carvel guy. I don't know what that is. Is that like some sort of racist joke? Are they Greek? Are they Greek? Is that what you're trying to say? It went from Carvel to the jerky boys. But I I love this song. And again, like a point out, like just like they, they do like really sort of like simple, exquisite things, but like build the song up, lead into the chorus and like have like backing vocals. And then, like, kind of fill in, like, fill in for, like, poor, poor Vince Neil, whose voice is really thin and hasn't really been introduced to Bob Rock yet. Or Tom Warner, for that matter. Um, because we're going to get, like, some songs where, like, Vince just, like, he's like a like a weasel caught in a trap, and that's what he calls singing. But uh, it might be coming right now. Oh, my gosh. It's happening now for me. And now it's a Mick Mars solo, and it's like uh, ecstatic release. But we're nearing the end of the, of the album, and we're wondering if like people's thoughts and feelings, including John's and David's, are like you thinking, I don't know, maybe I just gave this like a, you know, maybe like a bum's rush, and maybe didn't give it a, a, enough thought. And it's, there's a lot of background music going on here. 
You know, I could see if this was if this was at a club, I'd sp- I'd be at the bar. Sure, yeah, but but now that you know that it's Motley Crue, because like n- like nobody discovered this album right off you know Jump Street. Everybody came back to it after, uh, or maybe much later after Shout the Devil, which was you know again like you know on MTV a lot with uh, the, the, the at least they had two two main videos there. Like the, li- the, the live wire the live wire the live wire video never aired probably until like you know in, in, into like maybe girls 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 you would never have seen that regularly but so, so John you got any like you feeling differently about this you might play no, it? I, I I wasn't unfamiliar with the record before we started it I I just think it's okay uh, yeah. you know, I, I I don't dislike it. But I would never reach for it. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's it doesn't feel like Motley Crue to me. It feels yeah. it feels like uh, what, what, yeah, it feels no. like the prequel that no one asked for. Like it, it's uh, like episode one, two, yeah, yeah. it's the Phantom. Man. Oh, that that like I think I'll stick with Shadow of the Devil. Like, I, I, I I I see. I I like that sort of analogy, and, I, and I'm gonna like get like extra literary here in the gap because like. It's like, hey, everybody loves Jane Austen's novels. Hey, how about the novels that she didn't get published? How about the novels that were like she did before them? And then it's like, oh, yeah, we didn't really need to see that. They're not as good as the stuff we already like. Yeah. Yeah. Remember there was like a whole trend of like trying to find what people did before they had their big hit record. And remember like... Twisted Sister released rough cuts and crap like that. And just like, oh, these are just crappy versions of other songs. Yeah. Or, 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 or it's sort of like. sound good enough to have made it to a record. And yeah. Yeah. You know, no, or, you know but, but I think that cuts both ways. One, it explains like why. Well, that explains why you never got a fucking record contract. But also, too, it's just kind of like, it's kind of cool to kind of like see it and kind of hear it and kind of experience it. And again, I, I would say I, I would just attest to my own sort of like Stockholm syndrome and say like, and I see Colin, Colin's like singing along to this. Oh, this is this and, is and, great and, too, man. And this and here we are at uh, we're at this Too Fast for Love. Again, to me, this is very Shout of the Devil esque. This is this is where they're headed. They're headed to, to the anthems, the 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 driving beats. This is. There's nothing this... sadder than an anthem song that's got like three people singing. Like, you don't have like 10, 15 friends you can just sit in a room and have them yell on you. Yeah. But it's it... not when the man no, tells you you get no, the they... done next week. Hey, we got four guys here. They got four guys and they got to get back to like making sandwiches. So like, let's get this fucking track done right now. And then it's it. Well, you just, you just yell it to the mic. That's all you got to do. Just yell it to the mic and then get back to like slicing the salami. But this this song still has like an undeniable sort of like dance rhythm to it. And it has like all those little time changes, which are just I don't know. This this is not straight up metal. Which is awesome. <laughs> I said it's awesome, but, David. But, but you so point out, David, in a crowd, this is huge. He just the crowd just, too fast. But like, there yeah. But I mean, like, there's like three dudes screaming too fast for love, and then Vince Neil sounds like a chick from Star Search, like trying to like 
But again, when you have a crowd of 2,000 people, yeah, it was cute when that chick was singing like somewhere over the rainbow, but now she's like singing for a metal band. Yeah? Do you do a Judy Garland reference? Oh, a bass riff. Mickey yeah, Six appears on the album. He probably fell down. <laughs> but uh, again, like uh, not knowing any better from my youth when I was in eighth grade in 1985 into 86, it's like I just grew. Th- these songs possessed me, they infected me. Is this the last song? No, David, there's one more. <laughs> And we can no, also. This is with, the last song. This, yeah, on this is the show. the show, right? Um, oh, 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 okay, I'm sorry. You guys are like five seconds ahead of me, so I feel like I'm running for the bus. Okay, now it's the last song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> on with the show. I did not like ending the album with this song. Why not, Kong? I just, as we pointed out, you want to lead. It's like when you go to a concert, right? You leave with the bang. You leave with the no, song. This is, you the, this is when, like, the, the, they're starting to sweep the floor and the, the girls are going to get their coats from the coat Yeah, I, I would have done it before the last We're track. See you next All right. week. Yeah. But th- this, is, this is definitely sort of like a down-tempo song, and, and it's definitely a little bit more uh, of a narrative about, like, living in the streets of L.A., if you read, if you if you know the anecdotes, it's about like one of Nikki's friends. Maybe his name was Frankie. Actually, Nikki's name is Frankie. Um, getting killed on the streets of L.A. and it just kind of like kind of wants to sort of like imprint their sort of street cred. Uh, this is this is ironic closing credits to Cabin in the Woods. It is. I, I, I saw. Ended- that's, I love. I love that analogy. It's just kind of like. We're menacing, but we're smiling the whole fucking time. And also, this is not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> but, but 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 sincerely, like this, you know, they're they're doing uh, like a sort of little street cred, pour one out sort of yeah. thing. Like this is our life. This means something to us, bro. Yeah, like I our friend Frankie. Like, somebody told him like you can't end the record with this. They're like this is the song we end with. And, 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 and seriously, for, for, for like a like, lot of... Can't you guys co- just end with Margaritaville? Although, although we know the track listing wasn't originally like this. So the track oh. listing didn't have this, did it? What was the last track, John? You have the original notes there on our sheet. Mm-hmm. What was the closing track on Leather Records? Uh, the original had Leader of the, had, uh, Leader of the Pack. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Please don't. Uh, Over the, the rainbow. was on with the show. <laughs> Oh really? Was the closer yeah. on the original? Okay. I would have rather I would have rather closed with Too Fast for Love. Yeah, the original album uh, has ten songs. Okay. Um, this is tonight. we're at nine right now. We're at nine right now. Oh uh, no. Uh, yeah, we're at nine. Uh, they have one more song. But again, I, 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 I oh, Toast to the Town was the tenth, wasn't it? Uh, no, stick to your guns oh, was on okay. the original release. Oh, that, oh, that's right. Yeah, stick to your gun. Only features on the, that one. That must have been on the the original signal yes. single as well as uh, Toast of the Town. 
But uh, no, I'm, I'm going to say, like, Colin, like, I, I think this this works. It's always worked well for me. It, it, it brings everything down, brings it down to a nice little close. And it, it, it seems like really. Dude, this is like a doo-wop song, man. Right? It's, 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 like, it's, this, is a, this is like a 59 driving down the beach it's, with your top down. No, no, no. It, it's about That's, Ricky who died. He got... A punk like stuck him with a switchblade knife, dude. Are you paying attention? I don't listen to the lyrics, man. It's, I'm it's, it's an Im, it's, like, it's, it's an in memoriam song. I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the Del Shannon breakdown. That no, no, no. We're not we're not going to go out in our woody with our long boards and like you know scan for chicks. Tell me this doesn't sound like a surf like a surf song. Well, that's it. I'm going to say over now. Yeah, nine nine songs in and out. You made it, Dave. Oh, now freaking toast of to the town is playing. Hold on, I gotta hit pause. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not covering the extended version. The we remake. could we could if we wanted to. Oh, we really yeah, could. not it. Not and then they do uh, what, tonight. Is that the one from yeah, that, that story? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> But I would like to point out again, 1980, 1981, these guys are what, early 20s, except Mick Mars, he's 40 or whatever he is. Right. Right. And he even Tommy Aldridge are right. like Him walking and, around. Yeah. He, he was just babysitting Tommy, Tommy Aldridge. Aldridge. They're, just, yeah. they're discussing the Depression era in the Dust Bowl. <laughs> but to me, for, for the first effort, I thought when I discovered it after Shout, I thought that it was good. I agree with John wholeheartedly. It is not my first pull of a Motley Crue record. It will never be the first pull off the shelf of a Motley Crue record. But I thought for an intro, uh, look look at when you compare it to Van Halen 1, Van Halen 1 was lightning in a bottle, right? You can't catch that kind of stuff ever again. But for an intro record, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. David, you got any not, like not uh, closing thoughts? Destruction is an intro record too, Colin. What, that's, that's, okay, yeah. lightning in a bottle twice. Thank you, John. <laughs> well, yeah, and, so and again, like Skid Row record, and although, and although they did have that uh, Uzi by Suicide before, yeah, that's I'll, true. I'll tell no, listen, I'll tell you, as uh, coming from a, a band who at that age was putting out a self produced record, I think the advice I would have given myself and the advice I would have given them is don't you don't have to put out nine songs, they could have put out five bangers and they would have been fine. And then when electric, yeah, self-distribute a little EP. Yeah, man. The, yeah. There's, and, and listen, when when my band was playing, and it was in the '80s, everybody who was making a demo was putting like twelve songs on a demo. Right. And then some punk rock band comes along and they put like five songs on a demo. There's both, you know, five songs, same songs on both sides. Mm-hmm. They push it out. It's five bangers. And we're like, damn, we should have did that. Right, but 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 again, we're we're we're, we're yeah, <clears throat> keeping this within the context of like what the LA music scene was, and it's like sort of like, you know, you want to like push LPs, you want to have like five and five, you want to have like ten songs, well, that, you know, I mean, somewhere in the neighborhood have of like five songs on. Uh, well, it, it has nine songs, and it takes up a good thirty. 40 minutes of your life i feel like you're not hearing what i'm saying no i i know i know exactly what you're saying but uh which is derisive to motley crew and their legacy and how dare you do that on the anniversary of their album but uh they did their best anybody call me on their anniversary they 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 did their they did their mf best 
Um, again, like you, John, John referred to like a debut record, like uh, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. So there was, there was, and, and Colin alluded to, uh, <laughs> Colin also alluded to like the live by Suicide, which was like released like on the street, like a really small uh, sort of batch. How many months did Guns N' Roses spend producing? in the studio putting together the album that would become appetite for destruction no i'm idea. sure a very long time i don't know the answer no, i don't think it was that long actually it's about two years about 18 oh, really? months about 18 months and people and, and and all the fuckers at geffen were like hey i thought these hot dogs wanted to like make money i thought they wanted to like go out there and shake their ass and make some fucking money <laughs> It's like no, the, the Axel the Rose, the radio dramas. I like I, you know, I've said it before. It's like you're right there. <laughs> That's a fucking horse. You hear that horse? It's coming into my room. Netflix, if you're listening. <laughs> But, but see, so that was, so that's a, that's the lesson that fucking Guns and Roses learned too. It's like you don't take the fucking first offer that's given to you by like some punk ass dude who owns a country club, and you don't go in for like some. But again, it's like you can't. Could you blame them? Could you blame them? Look, man, like, Kiss managed to put out the Elder this year. Yeah, sure. All right, come on. We should do a so, listening party for I that. Think, I think that we should. Do a second one. <laughs> We've already done that. Um, the remastered listening party. Maybe maybe we have to do like a sort of like costume party of it, and we all dress up as different members. Dude, of we the... could do a radio play of it. Oh God! Are you calling that Mick would, Mars? That would be awesome. I'm gonna get my penny whistles and my uh, my coconuts, and maybe a kazoo and a whoopee cushion, and okay. I'm gonna. Bring Red Skelton back to life or some Hold shit. On. I'm submitting applications. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, John does edit this part out a tad before. Oh, we oh no, no. I think I think we the last part. This this is the part that reveals our true last self. Forty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be most of the crew. You, got that. you noticed. He's actually just uh, going to program everything we've said for the last forty minutes into just a little Dropbox. And like the song will go on and be like, Bloop, this is nice. Bloop, I hate it. A <laughs> soundboard. A little soundboard. That was nice. Who's taking well, us home? Anyhow, so if you managed to get through all of Molly Crew's Michael. Too Fast for Love with us, God damn, wasn't that awesome? I love Motley Crew and I love nothing more than listening to their debut record, Too Fast for Love. And, and I know I can't say the same thing for david timoney no. or john harden or maybe for colin Bob. you can say it for me that was awesome but you know we're the middle-aged metal ads this is what we do we like we hang out we listen to music we we talk about it we reminisce we do all sorts of other sorts of things it could be you know deemed inappropriate or not really sort of like uh uh interesting but we do them anyhow because it's fun and uh, for that, we say thank you for listening. And we hope that you check us out on the Insta, the Facebook, the the Gab, the, the Polster, the Twitter. What are, what are some of those alt-right things? Don't check us out on there because we're not there. Anyhow, uh, until next time, uh, one foot in the gutter, one foot in the grave. is what, What's the one that Ricky Rockman does? Can we steal that? We're going to edit this all out anyhow. So. 
Good night. My passion was to do something that had all the elements of the rock bands that I loved and the glam bands that I loved in the 70s and the edge that, that I was inspired by, bands like the Buzzcocks and the Ramones and Pistols and stuff. We are playing songs that we've been playing live in clubs that were tested, like we rock these things. These things were ready to be recorded. They weren't like, hmm, let's try this and see if this works. We just hit, the, we just hit record and went for it.